0: Marks and might pick up on some or spend your The Colonial Afterlife of Encroachment by Victoria Okoye. Published in chapter 8 of the ebook Architectural Dissonances Edited by Le Internationale online. How does coloniality live on in everyday urban space, practice, and design? Working through the concept of encroachment, I presence the colonial violence still produced and reproduced in contemporary African urban space and spatial relations. I locate my thinking in Accra, Ghana, where I have lived, built relations and experiences, and worked on urban planning and design, policy, and community research. I locate myself as an African diasporan born in the settler colonial United States, having lived in a post-independent Ghana, and now living in the post-imperial UK. These movements and stays shape my perception of the relations and realities of coloniality, and inform my navigation of encroachment as a concept in the planning and design of urban space. Locating myself through these traversals leads me to the work of Black scholars who link the projects of slavery and colonialism and frame these projects' continued impacts as an afterlife, reverberations that continue to structure everyday life, Black lives, and embodied experiences. These reverberations persist, including through space in African locales. I draw upon this lineage of thought in order to attend coloniality as not dead and gone, but rather kept alive, and enduring through the ways in which we conceptualize, design, and speak of space in post-independent Accra." Before the British colonial administration started building infrastructure, nobody owned land, says not Nuno Amarty Fio, a former mayor of Accra, to Larry Aminu, Fatimati Mutari, Mustafa Adamu, and me, in our research interview. It is a conversation informing our project on children and community space in the Nima neighborhood of Accra. Marti Fio begins from deep within the city's history, and he makes discernible for us the entwined trajectories between migrations, British colonialism, territory, and urban change. He continues You used land for whatever you needed to farm, to house your family. Ownership was very fluid, it belonged to the whole group. It is the 13th century when the Ga people form Accra as a coastal settlement comprised of seven residential quarters, where they establish land customs and relations in the ways Amartifio describes above. In each quarter, members manage their own coastal lands alongside hunters' lands, inland farming villages originally inhabited by the descendants of hunters' groups and families, then living in the settlement. The Ga people shape spatial access, use, and inhabitation through membership to a particular quarter and within the larger society. Within a quarter, members openly farm on and cultivate unoccupied lands, and they farm or construct their homes on a specific land plot with permission from the relevant custodian, such as the family head. To farm or construct a home in another quarter, a Ga member speaks with permission from recognized local authorities, such as the chief priest or elder. With permission of a political leader, even non-Ga residents, both subjects and strangers, have limited rights to land usage and can access leftover unused lands for hunting, fishing, farming, and building their homes. This multidimensional, socio-spatial organization orients around custodianship and permissions, relations, and usage. It creates flexible and fluid uses of land, as per the former mayor's description held not by a single individual, but through the group. When the British colonized the settlement and surrounding territories, formally from 1874 through 1957, they produced the Gold Coast through subjugating and joining together diverse peoples and their territories into a single colony. They position Accra as colonial capital, drawing it into the global landscape of British Empire. Accra's land emerges as a principal asset to the colonial administration, which takes its dominance through multiple violences. The spatial violence of colonialism lies in its practices of unseating indigenous uses and relations through the epistemic, physical, and material violences of devaluing and dismissing indigenous land claims, spatial relations, and ways of living. The principles of terra nullius and tabula rasa the demolition of and claim to territory, then the work of colonial architects and planners to produce spatial and urban transformations grounded in modernist visions and projecting westernized concepts, designs, and control onto these people and their lands. The colonial administration transforms land through the expropriative forces of seizure, design, and planning, along with, as Amartifio points out, infrastructure the roads, streets, corridors, ports, and railways necessary for colonial extraction and globalization. These are predicated on, and entangled with, land ordinances and regulations, laws created by the colonial authority to control the use of land and space in everyday life, formalizing the dispossession and curtailment of indigenous custodianship and spatiality in order to transplant a western concept of property with enduring ramifications. The Towns' Ordinance of 1892, predicated on better regulating towns and promoting the public health, introduces the concept of encroachment on streets. It shall not be lawful without the permission of the governor to erect any house, building, wall, or fence upon or adjoining any street, nor to extend, make any additions to, or bring forward any house, building wall, or fence adjoining any street, or any part, or outbuilding of any such house or building, so as to encroach upon any street, nor to stop up, divert, enclose, or permanently obstruct, or cultivate, or otherwise turn to any private use, any street, or any part thereof. I look up the term encroachment in the Oxford English Dictionary. Noun. An intrusion on a person's territory rights. A gradual advance beyond usual or acceptable limits. The word draws its lineage from British domestic concerns and makes boundaries, annex property, ownership. The ordinance and term encroachment disregard and dismiss pre existing GA authority, spatial usage, customs, and modes of conduct, and vest authority and power with colonial administrative authorities, specifically the Public Works Department. From the acquisition of lands, to the construction and demolition of buildings, to the regulation, maintenance, and repair of streets, walls, and fences, and even the maintenance of unbuilt spaces, the Public Works Department cedes numerous powers from indigenous authorities in order to produce westernized orientations to space, and with the power of threats, fines, and punishment to compel the obedience of colonial subjects. This regulation introduces the concept of encroachment in order to reconceptualize spatial relations resulting in colonial administrative processes that dispossess indigenous ways of using space, relating to space, dwelling, building, and being in space. Today, I notice this concept that infiltrates understandings of space and continues its hold, displacing indigenous spatial relations and practices. Encroachment surfaces in contemporary planning discourses and pronouncements. In turn, residents claims to and use of urban spaces in ways that would align with pre-colonial modes of spatial usage are understood as unauthorized developments, as diversions or as misuses of space. In Nima, residents self-organized 78 buildings unlawfully constructed on crown land, forming an unauthorized development and creating a slum neighborhood, which represented a flagrant trespass on government's property, and a defiance of the Accra Town, council buildings, regulations, and town planning restrictions. In the city's 1958 strategic plan, prepared by British architects and signed off by the independent country of Ghana's first president, Kwame Nkrumah, this vision continues. The plan laments how the myriad self-organized uses of space take away from the quote modern character of the post-colonial city shaped through colonial planning and design. Vehicle drivers claim the edges of main roads to park their vehicles in the outer parts of town. Young boys transform open lands and fields through play into their own makeshift football pitches. Residents construct their own slum housing around urban commercial zones and large workshops. Local laborers assemble around bus repair depots, starting up makeshift activities and other non-conforming uses around markets and lorry parks and street vendors and hawkers trading activities as unofficial overflow from the government-built markets onto the adjacent streets and throughout the central commercial area. In these and other ways, residents have continued to claim urban spaces for their own livelihood, shelter, social and recreational needs, thinking and doing outside of top-down colonial and post-independent design schemes in everyday life. In response, encroachment continually designates these activities as problematic diversions from the plan and the dominant modern imaginary for the city. This framing of encroaching activities weaves its way into local conversations, with each utterance of the, modern, extending life of coloniality, and its hold on contemporary time, place, and being in space. My research partners and I also interview a former MP, Honorable Shero Tajuddin, who represented the Nima neighborhood for nearly two decades. As we sit in the internal courtyard of his house, which sits within a compound, two male workers mix concrete into bricks to build an extension of the multi-generational family home. Tajuddin uses this same concept of encroachment to frame for us the multiple ways in which residents of Nima, continue to claim spaces across the neighborhood. People are encroaching, encroachment is too high, he tells us. So, any small space, people will claim it. It is February 2019, and his statement describes residents' practices of building and extending their homes for residential activities, and setting up kiosks and containers for commercial and money-earning activities, not only in Nima, but throughout the city. These extensions, constructions, and occupancies even take place in the Lungus, alleyways, on pavements, and in any remaining open spaces, in an increasingly tight and built-up neighborhood, and in ways that can also block or prevent the movement of vehicles and pedestrians. Throughout the city of Accra, too, encroachment constantly resurfaces. In Jamestown, the historic neighborhood where the colonial government first set up its port, Business and trading and administrative activities, media sources report Accra Metropolitan Assemblies, AMAs, execution of demolition exercises to tear down fisherfolk's wooden shacks serving as abodes, constructed washrooms and kiosks, among others, as a means to police the site to prevent encroachment, which the government pegs as unauthorized structures that had sprung up at the site contrary to the agreed plan. At the Spintex Road, similarly unauthorized structures are demolished because the owners had encroached on a buffer zone for the Katoka International Airport. In the Achimota School grounds, the AMA demolishes illegal structures to clear squatters off the school's property and to pave the way for the fencing of the school's land, which has been encroached upon by churches, slum dwellers, and estate developers. These instances form part of a wide and long historical trajectory in which government authorities, colonial and post-independent, continue to invoke this colonial term and its concomitant processes to demolish shelters, livelihoods, and other material building blocks of place that they deem quote, informal and illegal encroachments. In Accra, these violent devaluations, dismissals, and demolitions form the colonial blueprint in a path-dependent pattern upon which the dominant and mainstream visions and narratives of Ghana's modernity are modeled. These visions are tied tightly to a neo-colonial modernity, grounded in violent colonial histories and practices. These framings echo the long histories of locating such practices of taking space as out of place and demonstrate the normalization of the colonial concept of encroachment, Through exercises in decongestion, government forces raise, clear, and displace individuals, materials, and practices, reproducing precarity for already marginalized publics in order to pave the way for official urban visions. As this concept lives on to shape dominant planning and everyday imaginations, it illustrates how coloniality lives on, pervading spatial practice and shaping constructions of what is authorized or non-authorized usage of urban space today, in order to produce a, quote, modern African city. A little bit of a deviation from the norm, but definitely an interesting perspective. The author, who in many ways divorces political economy from her work, still demonstrates a basic tenet of Marxist philosophy, and that is the dialectic between human and environment. The development of culture, both through collective transformation of the material world, and in response to it. Maybe I'm grasping for straws, I don't know. Hell, give me some feedback. Should be a link for voice messages somewhere. Anyhow, if you want more menagerie before the rest of the world... You can become a patron at patreon.com slash epicincredulity. And for now, enjoy your epoch.